guest today is Emily Seaver. I almost said Griffin. <laughs> Emily Seaver from Bailey, Colorado, home of the Sasquatch Outpost. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that is right. I uh, I was up early this morning, so I was sitting out on the deck, and 
I just uh, Googled Bailey, Colorado Sasquatch, and I saw the little outpost there. So we were on vacation not too long ago, and we're always listening to podcasts. And somehow we came across this Bigfoot episode, and they mentioned Bailey, Colorado. I think that's when I texted you. I'm like, Emily lives in Bailey. <laughs> so I was like, have you ever been to the Sasquatch outpost? Like this is a, uh, like a worldwide podcast, like millions of listeners. They're talking about this little place. And it's so funny because their town is so small. Right. And it's like, yeah, I just thought it was a neat uh, tourist shop, but wouldn't, wouldn't think of it as something that people would know about. Well, they do. And so have you seen any Bigfoots since you've been to Bailey? No. No, he's staying away from our house. And I don't you, know. Uh, maybe he's scared of my boys. Well, so you're <laughs> an outdoors person. Love to hike, yes. run, ski, just be out in the... Do you guys live in town or you're, you're out a little ways? Yes. Uh, very few houses are in town. A lot of the neighborhoods are out in the mountains. Uh, so we are in a neighborhood, but everybody owns several acres. And so you don't feel uh, too much like you're in the neighborhood and we just we love our property out there and and it's an excellent place to live and get to do those things mm-hmm. you know what uh i'm so excited today you are a creative soul and i love creative people and how their minds work and see the world so i'm looking forward to talking to you this is amazing because uh it was a couple months ago we set up this date you were going to be in town for some camps for your children and I had woken up that morning. My wife and I always take a drive in the morning for a couple hours before church out in the country and stuff. And I was just thinking about, uh, you know, people to talk to. And I thought, I really want to interview Emily. And how would I make that happen? And maybe she'll be in town sometime. I went to church that morning. I looked over and you're sitting in our church with your son, I think. Uh-huh. Or maybe you were alone. I don't know. Do you have a... Anyway, there you were. And you came over after church. And I told you, and you were so willing to come share your testimony of, of Jesus that day. And so I'm so glad you're you're here finally. So welcome. Well, I am happy to be here. Well, we'll just get right in. What um, what is your earliest memory of Jesus? I was thinking about that. I was. I knew you'd ask. <laughs> um, and you know, I've always, always just had. Um, a faith, and I, I credit that to the family that I grew up in. Um, my parents um, were always having us do devotions, and we had family time and prayers. And uh, growing up, we would go to my grandma and grandpa's house, and everybody would sit, my aunts and uncles, and we would all just sit and um, talk. And for me, it was just, uh, I liked hearing their stories and, and didn't quite realize that it was, you know, witnessing and, and sharing with each other and sharing testimonies. And um, that was just how it was. And I, I love that. And so just from a really early age, I've been, you know, born and raised kind of in this. Um, you might want to share because I think some people will know your grandfather. When they <laughs> Do you want to share who that is? Yes. Grandpa's Vernon Darling. Um and um, he he is great. I probably know a little different side than the patriarch, right. uh, Vernon Darling. He is hilarious, and he's <laughs> kind of a trickster, and uh, we have a lot of fun. And But at the same time, you know, there very much was uh, the spiritual aspect, and uh, we learn very early on, you don't mess around in church while Grandpa's preaching. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he will call you out. 
And uh, I don't think I'm kind of a rule follower, so I don't think that happened much. But maybe once. <laughs> so you, when you were in your these homes with your, with your families and things, isn't it different when you hear them sharing testimonies and things because it's just a part of who they are, as opposed to going to church and there's a set a lot you know set aside time to share. It's like they don't have to be doing that. You could be talking about anything, but mm-hmm. it gravitates towards. And for me, I didn't realize that that's kind of unique. Until I got older and you see more people's homes and settings, not that it's it's bad, but it just felt like um, things went a little deeper and you're not just talking about the surface mm-hmm. things, sports, weather, you know, irritations at work, which there's some of that too, but it, it always went deeper and um, I just craved that as a kiddo. And in fact, I remember feeling guilty at some point because I got a little older and my grandma and my mom would be maybe preparing meals or cleaning up after meals in the kitchen. And I was like, I probably should be in there helping, but I want to be out here (laughs) sitting with my dad and grandpa and um, just hearing what they're talking about because I was always fascinated by by the gospel and um, church stories. And I, I don't know, just the way they said it, the way they uh, shared was was really neat. Being a creative person, do you uh, gravitate towards uh, deeper conversation, uh, more intimate, I guess, deeper or surface level type? I'm better one-on-one. Yeah, yeah. I find a lot of anxiety in big crowds because... I'm not good at small talk, which is that surface, you know, I'm like, but I want to know about you. Uh-huh. And, um, so probably that. That's neat. I can, um, yeah, that's neat. People say you, you either go like a mile wide and a couple inches deep or a mile deep and a few inches wide. And I, I just fluctuate between the two, but I, I had loved the intimate conversation. So I'm glad to be able to feed that desire here, uh, talking to people. And so, yeah. You have a beautiful voice. You do so many creative things we'll get into, but um, share with me, uh, so your your dad's a convert to the church and one of my friends, mm-hmm. and that's uh, actually how I came to know about you was through him, um, and he's uh, also a very creative, great musician. Yeah. We'll, we'll Mark, share- Mark Griffin. Mark Griffin, <laughs> yeah. Um, he is amazing. Both my parents are. I just have been so blessed with um, the family that I grew up in. And, um, you know, when I was growing up, it wasn't really, are you going to play an instrument? It was, which instrument <laughs> are you going to start with? And then where do we go from there? And uh, there are just so many times dad would, when we had lived up in Michigan, he would uh, travel and preach at different congregations a lot. And so we would... It was just the family sings. Right. So, so you play <clears throat> you play guitar and French horn? Uh-huh. And what else? Piano? Piano a bit. And uh, I've been learning the cello uh, for the last few years, which is really difficult. I thought the horn was one of the more difficult instruments, but cello takes a little coordination. Oh, my. Yeah. Um, but I, I wouldn't say I'm a master at any of them. I just really enjoy sitting down and getting some music out i guess yeah you sing with uh you've you've done some youtube videos with uh andrea and renee from our church and Uh the three of you singing together is gorgeous absolutely gorgeous it's a treat maybe we'll put a link on there too (laughs) well they are so talented so they make it really easy to come in and just enjoy singing well tell me about 
when you, uh, well, growing up, you know, share any testimonies you want to that stand out in your mind. Um, and, or we can move on to, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your military living life with your husband who was in the service, but if you want to. Well, I do, I do have a testimony, um, uh, from when I was younger, I was actually a teenager and, um, you know, my grandma Ruth Ann passed away when I was about 12 and it was a pretty tough time. She was an incredibly special lady and, uh, anybody who knew her just loved her and, um, I was missing her. This was several years later, and I am not a songwriter like you are, and my dad, that's a, a passion, but I in, I dabble, I guess, and that was kind of the start. I'd written a few things, but I had this one I was going to share for the talent show at camp one year, and um, I just intensely missed my grandma, and um, it was the fact that I wished I could have shown her. You know, it's it's like your mom and your grandma. You want to go show them these things because you know they love you and they would take an interest. And um, it was it was a pretty selfish desire, but I remember feeling pretty heavy hearted about that as I was practicing for it. And um, my cabin had something else they were doing that I didn't have to be part of. And so I actually went and took some quiet time by myself in my cabin. I got up in my bunk and, um, you know, know, when you work on music kind of hard, it just plays through your mind, especially as you're preparing. Mm -hmm. And so I started hearing my song and I thought, okay, yeah, I'm going to go through this. I'll just, you know, make sure I've got it down. And, um, very quickly realized that um, what I was hearing was actually a full choir, mm-hmm. which I am not, I've never, ever orchestrated anything in my life. If I write a song, it is a solo that I sing on the guitar. And this actually had instrumentation behind it. And I thought, wow, I am, I am amazing. Listen <laughs> to this. <laughs> it, was, it was really beautiful. It was better than I had ever envisioned it before and uh, there was this especially neat part that I had thought wow I've never thought of it that way and so you know you go back it's like I need to remember that and I wanted to go back and so I I was like let me go over that part again and it hit me Ah, it was not coming from me it was um, it was something I was listening to like a performance and Mm. there was no going back I was just along for the ride, and I was hearing a choir um, singing the song I wrote, but it was, you know, the what I wrote, it, it was nice enough, it was good enough, but it was nothing like what I was hearing. It was better and uh, perfected. And at the end, um, there was just this hush, and it just hit my heart that... Um, I was given this uh, testimony that my grandma was able to hear my song. Um, God had given me that gift because he loved me so much that he took kind of a, a selfish teenage desire. And not only was my grandma able to hear the song, but I was aware of it, that I was part of that experience as well. And never before or since have I had anything like that um, happen? And so it was a really special thing. And, and I understood that at the time, the gift that I'd been given. But as I've gotten older, um, I've realized the other part of that that I guess didn't quite hit me then. I was more about the the love that I felt, but it was the fact that um, God takes 
our imperfectness. He takes something that we are now and he can turn us into something beautiful and beyond anything we could have envisioned. Uh, That was my song, but it Mm. was not my song. It was not my imperfect human 16-year-old thing that I'd written. It was was perfect in God. And uh, that's something that I've really, when I think about that time, that moment that I had, that um, what a hope we have. That oh. What we are now and the, the ugly and the, um, you know, we try, but we're not there yet. Right. That's, that's a great analogy for, it reminds me of Mildred Smith's book, The Master's Touch, which, where they saw the finger of God touch the coal and turn it into a diamond. That's, man, we need that, no we? The need for that. Oh, yeah. The Savior. Especially, you know, as each year goes by and I realize just how fallible I am and it, you know, you do your best. And, right. and I do, there are times when I'm like, I'm getting there. And then very quickly it's like, oh, there's still so much to work on. <laughs> so. Oh, I feel like I peaked like 20 years ago and it's just, <laughs> I'm not going to, yeah. When I was little, I thought I could. If I just tried hard enough, I can do that perfect day and then a perfect week and then a perfect month and and just, you know, be like these people in the scriptures. But the more I experienced life, I think even Nephi, I'm sure, had had bad days. (laughs) Probably every day was uh, so. Well, that's beautiful. So did you share that song then at that camp? I did. I did. Not, you know, nearly... It was my version, <laughs> not God's version. I think it'd be hard to get through after an experience like that to even be able to sing it. Well, I feel like a t- as a teenager, you uh, you kind of get through anything. Right. I, I probably didn't take it as deep as I do now. I had a good friend, Rodney. Uh, he was a, just a great guy, has a great country voice, and he was singing at one, our church one, one Sunday, and, and it was about Jesus. He got really choked up and he finally just stopped and paused for a long time because this wasn't the way I practiced it. (laughs) (laughs) But it was so uh, touching though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, so how did you meet your husband? And tell me about that. Well, we met in college. We went to CMSU or I guess it's UCM now, which I, I can't call it that. Um, he had moved in, uh, I think his sophomore, junior year and, um, yeah, his junior year because I was a sophomore when we met and, uh, he was a real quiet guy. His cousin, Roger had uh, brought him, which is funny. Roger and I were actually, uh, Book of Mormon Foundation interns the same year. Okay. Had a fantastic year. And, um, so I think Roger introduced him to me and, um, he just, he was so quiet and I am such a talker. I was like, well, I'm going to, you know, help this guy out. <laughs> I'll make sure he has a friend. And um, it just kind of went from there. We we just uh, got to know each other better and better and um, started dating pretty quickly after. Yeah, uh, he, he went into the military. Correct. He did, and that was actually before our first date. Uh, he let me know that that was the route he was going on, and so, um, you know, just so I knew that if things were going to get more serious, that that was 
where life was going. But my parents moved around a bit for my dad's job. So I always tease them that they raised the perfect military <laughs> wife because I was up for it. And um, so he did. He went into the Marine Corps um, after we graduated. We got married uh, before we moved away. And we have moved 12 times. 12. In our marriage. we've Yeah, we just celebrated 17 years. So... 12 times in 17 years. I didn't know it was that many. <laughs> it was It was a lot. A lot of them were the short training periods. You know, we were down in Pensacola for six weeks and, you know, someplace nine months. So the beginning was definitely um, the majority of the moves. And uh, we had, we were so poor and we had like hardly any furniture. And so it was more of an adventure at first. <laughs> it was really fun and getting to see all the different places um, and it got harder as we had kids and you, you collect a little bit more and the moves get a little rougher. Okay. So yeah, definitely I, I got over the wanting to move uh, by the end. How was that raising? Um, so you have two boys raising children, um, trying to foster that relationship with Christ with, with constantly changing and maybe not having like that congregation of a hundred people or so that some of us, you know, are privileged to have that have been there for a decade or more or, you know. It is a challenge. And the military lifestyle is not always conducive to a godly family lifestyle. It's uh, especially when you're younger and um, Doug went through the jet training. And so you have, um, just a different environment that he was, um, I feel like it was very grounding for him. and But he didn't really fit in all the time because he was not doing the things that um, was just par for the course. Um, so there was that aspect. But, I mean, overall, we had a great—we we found our people, just like you do in high school. You find your group and, mm-hmm. and your support system and— um, There were many stations that he was at that we didn't have a congregation close enough. I mean, we we typically drive about an hour to go to church when we've found congregations, um, and just some were just too far. There wasn't any in the area. Um, So, you know, early on, we would go to Baptist churches uh, because, you know, I had friends that I'd been involved with some of their groups and things and felt pretty comfortable. You just hope they don't notice that our scriptures are a bit bigger. (laughs) Um, But some really great uh, Baptist churches, especially early in Doug's training, that kind of adopt a military family. And so we felt like we were very welcomed. Um, So great experiences. Uh, The kids were pretty little then. And so um, I didn't feel like that was as much of a challenge um, until they got a little older and we didn't have anything close. Like when we were in Joshua Tree, um, there was no, there was hardly any churches out there because it's so small and mm-hmm. kind of an out out there community. Um, so we did devotions and church at home. And we, uh, my parents had invested in the living scriptures mm-hmm. videos. And so uh, we did those a lot because the kids were the age that that really grabbed their attention and right. try to tie into those and then we would just come home and try to, you know, come home like so we could take communion or you know, home to do like our, your family, your mom and dad, Kansas City area. Gotcha. Yeah, come home. We'd come to Colburn Road mm-hmm. an awful lot, our Oak Grove Restoration Branch. Um, 
and just really, really appreciate getting to sing with the saints and take communion and participate. But we did have some some restoration branches. So we went to El Centro, which is down in uh, the San Diego area. We were able to to meet with a group there and um, loved the families. You know, it's just it's always nice. It feels like you're coming home uh-huh. when you get to to be with a the saints. And then, um, in Pensacola, just a wonderful congregation there, um, that just, they immediately absorb you and you're loved, uh, from day one. And those the Gilmores, the The Gilmores. Yeah. Dave, uh, or Dale, Dale, (laughs) sorry, Dale. (laughs) Um, he's the pastor and, um, there's a real, just, we loved everybody. I could name every single person just uh, is in our hearts now, but a real special little lady. Uh, she and her husband have since passed on, but Joan Stanton, mm. I'll never forget. We uh, we came and she just instantly had my boys over there sitting on the couch with her. Aww. And at one point we had a friend visit with us and I'm pretty sure that Brian was sleeping on her shoulder and she just... Just loved every every bit of it. <laughs> so um, we've just had some some wonderful ministry with uh, outlying branches where we've been able to find them. The ministry of the women in our church um, is so important, and unfortunately, sometimes you know there's so much focus on priesthood, but um, the the work you've done with your boys and then like this lady ministering to you just by being loving and kind and giving them a place to feel like they belong. My, uh, my cousin died last, last week or the week before she was 90 in back in Ohio in the little town I grew up in. She taught Sunday school and, and raised every kid in that branch, you know, <laughs> for decades. And I remember still every Wednesday night, she would stand up and bear her testimony, and it was the most mundane things. And I remember asking my mom one night, like, "Why does why does Bernadine testify every Wednesday? And it's always about something." And I didn't understand like how much God was a part of her everyday life. But looking back now, that's a foundation. So mm-hmm. your ability to give the boys that foundation without having a structured congregation is so important. Well, it definitely is a challenge, especially when we didn't have a branch. It's very easy to um, kind of fall away from some of the more in-depth things. Mm-hmm. So it's always been nice to come come back to a branch. And we have a wonderful branch uh, in Denver. Okay. We actually, there were two little branches. We didn't realize that um, a family a family had moved from Longmont to Thornton. And so I had been meeting with the Aurora branch and uh, a couple of years ago, we kind of found each other and the branches combined. And so now we meet up in Thornton and um, well, haven't been due to COVID. Right. Um, we have some, some uh, elderly and frail. And so you, we wanted to be careful. And so we've been meeting uh, online quite a bit, but it's, we're trying to get in person when we can. And it's just fantastic. That's so. been rough. It's rough to not be able to be together. Yeah, it is. And I appreciate that we do have the ability to see faces and, and worship together uh, online, but it is, it is nice to be in person. Hmm. Colorado's. So have you had a favorite place that you've lived? No, I 
there's places that probably we're like, no, we, we don't need to go back. back there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've always tried to find the silver lining wherever we are and um, find the things that we really loved. You know, San Diego was pretty high on our list, especially with the age boys that we had. They were real little. And so there was a neat little train park and mm. that we could go to and, uh, you know, the beach and things. Um we love the mountains, so Colorado has been fantastic. We loved being home. I mean, we were here for two years uh, before life took us a different direction, right. and I just I loved it here. So this is this is home for me. Sure. Well, so your husband's uh, a pilot for airlines. Uh huh. Yeah, he works for Southwest, it's, which this was helpful to him and his job. Unfortunately, um, Kansas City is not a hub. And that was actually uh, a pretty, as much as I love being back here, uh, it was kind of a, a rough time for us. We were renovating our, our house that we'd owned in Golden Acres and we'd had renters until we could move in. That was always the dream and had this beautiful house. I just I, I loved and uh, I was right behind my in-laws and they are wonderful people. And um, then my parents are just down the road and um, Doug had ended his time with the Marines. He still does reserve, but mm. you know, he, so we were not moving with them and the plan was to come home. And within about a year, he realized very quickly that that was not an, a sustainable situation for him uh, commuting, especially early on. It's, it is actually very rough. So not only are you driving to work, and usually he drives to work, which is the airport, and then he starts his job, but he would have to drive to the airport to then wait to catch a plane, to, then, to get to the airport he was going to then wait to start his flights because he had to get there early enough. And then when you're new, you don't even get to – get a schedule, they call it holding a line, where you say, yes, these are the, the exact flights I'll be doing. You just have to be available for anything when somebody else can't do. They, your sitting reserve is what they call it. So he wasn't guaranteed that he'd be flying, so then he'd just have to sit in a room by himself and um, maybe fly. Mm. And... Um, it was hard. It was really difficult. And I, I understand what that was on him. It was it was quite a strain. And for him thinking that it was going to be many years of that, um, he just couldn't see how, how our family could keep going that way. He missed his kids and he mm -hmm. missed being home. And he was gone more than he was here. And at the same time, um, I've always been good with moving. You know, I've enjoyed doing what we did with the Marines, but this was the first time I said, no, I'm home. Mm -hmm. I'm not moving. And so mm -hmm. we came to, we came to an impasse where there was no answer. There was no good uh, situation. And um, I was probably a little arrogant in my no, because it was like, but family's here. And we're in Zion, so God, God's on my side, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Obviously, I am right. And, uh, you know, you are not. And um, we, we came to a place about a year in that we were um, very angry at each other and very bitter. And it was not a healthy um, lifestyle, you know, for, for all of us, and especially with the kids and 
So Doug and I uh, went to counseling just to see, and I think secretly we were hoping that they would tell one of us, uh, me, obviously, right? (laughs) (laughs) But we were right, and the other was wrong, and, uh, you know, they don't do that. But um, our counselor gave us some really good tools to stop the vicious cycle that we were in, and I highly recommend if if you get in that situation. um, Doug and I are both oldest children, and we Mm. both usually have— pretty good solution it's just they're never the right one for for any (laughs) for anything and um it it really did help to heal some of the issues that we were having um we learned to be able to work through um the problems however we still had this situation that it was like well what are we going to do because both of us feel like we can't do what the other one wants and so I'd been praying about it, um, and just one day, well, this is actually the time when prayer and study became huge in my life. I felt like I'd done it to a point, but never really made the commitment that I wanted to sit down and try to do this on a day-to-day basis, and uh, I think that made a world of difference and kind of helped me reset so it wasn't just about me in my own head. It was starting with God, and um, I was able to um, probably show more love to my husband than I had been, and my kids, you know, mm. just everybody. Uh, you see others through God's eyes a little better, mm. um, and that's been something that I've been working on um, as a as a focus in my life. But this one day I was praying and studying and really asking God about what we were going to do in this situation and um, kind of still maybe a little more complaining, God, you know, fix this so that Doug realizes I'm right, right? Mm-hmm. And the words, I've, I've never heard audible words, but this is, this is one time where there were words put in my mind and they were, they were <laughs> not for me. And it just was basically, who are you? to tell me where your work is. You don't know the work I have for you and where I want you to be. And um, really made me step back. I just, I had to think about that. Like, wow, I I thought this was it. (laughs) The God, didn't you know the plan was? We (laughs) came home. (laughs) And from that point on, I stopped fighting and we started looking and uh, it was hard. It was such a hard move uh, to leave our family that we hadn't had as a support system. I mean, they've always been there for us and I cannot give thanks enough for both my parents and then Doug's parents um, for all the moving they did with us over the years and, and taking care of our kiddos and just coming to visit. It's a lot of traveling and they've, They've made sacrifices for us. Um, but we finally had that here, really close, and it was wonderful, and it was hard to leave that. And I, I love that house, and maybe a little too much. I mean, maybe God knew that mm. that was not what the focus should have been, was renovating that old house. I should have been doing something else. And um, once we got out to our pro- our property in Bailey, there was such a peace there, um, and I've really, I've really had quite a healing, and it's it's helped a lot. So, 
Uh, absolutely love it out there. I absolutely love it when I come home. Uh, so now I just have two places that, <laughs> you know, I come to Missouri and think, oh, I miss home so much. And then I go back to the mountains and I'm like, oh, but this is, this is just amazing. So well, just very blessed. <laughs> what, what was your husband's reaction when he saw that shift in your thinking? How did that affect him? Um, he was so grateful because he felt like he'd been stuck. And honestly, even before that, um, I could see, and I don't know what the counselor said to him that helped. I know what the counselor said to me that I saw I was, you know, the destructive things I was probably bringing. Um, but even before that, I had noticed that um, Doug was, Doug was trying you know, to put more love into our marriage and into our family. And so I think we both had started to come around. And then with this, it was just, um, it was very healing. And um, it's just, it's been wonderful um, for all of us. And and it was, it was a really big growing experience, I think, for us. We, we kind of passed a hurdle and, um, I've learned a lot about ourselves and, wow. and each other. From Thanks that. for sharing that. That's uh, this, this is the odd dynamic of a podcast. Uh, I've never sat down and really talked with you for more than five minutes after church, right? Small talk. Right. Well, we've texted back and forth, and I've bought some of your awesome products through the years, <laughs> but kind of had a relationship with your dad. So to sit down now and to go into depth about, um, you never know what people are going through. Uh, counseling, man. That is such a great takeaway for people out there who are struggling. I, I had to seek a counselor out a number of years ago and, and saw her for a long time. And, you know, just like our physical bodies go through things that we need help with and see yeah. doctors, our minds get programmed into ways of thinking and they just need cleaned out sometimes, you know, and it's not <laughs> a, it's, it's like, I think sometimes in the religious circles it's like a spiritual weakness when things are happening that aren't physical but emotional and it's like well just have faith or whatever but it's like no there's (laughs) it's wisdom to seek out people that are trained in that yeah i i definitely recommend that i think it it makes such a difference especially when you add the spiritual aspect on because i i was praying i know doug was um i'm sure our parents were (laughs) they knew what we were going through and um, so you add all of that, and it just creates one much healthier whole. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. And if you if if you do need to go to counseling, uh, and you don't click with the first one, just like doctors, find someone that is is helpful. Thanks for sharing that because you know sometimes, especially in the church, you look and like, well, why do so and so move away? Or like you said, this is Zion, but there's God so much bigger than than that. And well, to know the struggle, wow. Yeah. It is. And it really did come home to me that um, we can't all be here right now. Uh, there is a great work here and uh, I didn't want to leave. And, and I love I love the ministry and the growth that, that's happening here. And I want to be mm-hmm. here in Zion. However, there is, I mean, there's a big world out there and uh, there's a lot of people that we need to be sharing with and if if that's where we're supposed to be right now that's where we're supposed to be um you know you hear different uh guesstimates on how big zion's gonna be 
And there's one that puts Bailey pretty <laughs> close in the boundaries. Yeah. And I'm thinking maybe, maybe it can come to Bluebird Lane. I, I think that would be fantastic.